0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tonight,
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm warning y'all in advance. I had two glasses of wine before I started taping this podcast. It's been a long day. It's currently 612 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I've been up since 4:30 working. All the work that I put off for the 27, 28 days of the Odyssey, all the emails, all the contracts, everything. Everybody's hitting me up today like, oh, you back? I'm back. So everybody's hitting me up. Had a long conversation with my lawyer. Had a long conversation with my manager. Had to send invoices. Had to sign contracts. Had to send a draft of this treatment for this third thing that I cannot discuss just yet. But if you look in my Instagram bio, you can kind of guess at what it is. Lots to be done. I've been working kind of nonstop since Friday afternoon. I went to brunch on Saturday. But other than that, I've been trying to uh, put my life back in order. You'd be amazed at what can go out of control if you just, you know, turn off your responsibilities for 27 days. Which I really didn't. I was still responding to like major emails, but not the day-to-day. But there is... um. There were there are a bunch of things that I need to put in motion, like, you know, merch for Ratchet and Respectable. This book club that I've been talking about forever and a day, we have set a launch date, which everyone was like, great, where's the deck? Send me the deck, Demetrius. So, you know, there's an email out to the literary agent because, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to write this book. And then, you know, it was like, I'm not going to write that book. OK, I'm going to do this book or this fiction book about Vivian and her odyssey, her sexual escapades around the world. Like, you know, Zayn meets Eat, Pray, Love meets bell in Brooklyn. My agent was on board for that. I mean, she liked the idea. She commented about it on Instagram. I was like, yay, we have an idea. And then now I think it's probably going to be some version of see some world hashtag dear mom. Because I listen to the audience. I let the audience dictate what they want. Because ain't no sense in trying to put out a product that like the audience isn't interested in. But the number of people who have like emailed me or texted me, if you know me, about like, so when are we getting a coffee table book? Because I want pictures and I want like Dear Mom letters. Thanks. I was like, really? Y'all know that's not like my my deepest writings. Like I really am firing off misses to my mother. It takes me like 15 minutes to write them. But like, really? That's what y'all want? Okay. I could do that all day. Okay. We'll do we'll do a series of them. We'll do a series of dear mums if that's what y'all want. But okay. But I was really excited about Vivian. Like I could put my former romance editor hat to use. In my head, I have at least a hundred and fifty euphemisms for Dick. I really was ready to run wild, but people are like, no, no, we'll take Vivian and her escapades later. We want like a coffee table book of pictures and dear mums. Okay. If that's what you want, okay, sure. All right there's like 50 million other things that that must be done I'm just like oh god this real world which I have to live in for like 10 days because I go back on the road on the 18th it's not like a full-fledged odyssey I don't think I'm going to Vegas and then Napa and then probably Chicago I was actually trying to leave for Chicago tomorrow like I I researched flights found dope hotels and I was like I really could just fly out tomorrow and then be gone for a week you know do like a Chicago to New Orleans and then New Orleans to Vegas and then Vegas to Napa, like and I was like, "No, I have to sit my ass down and like do work for ten days. This is the problem with having a job where like all I need is literally like a laptop and a microphone, and I can do everything from anywhere as long as there's an internet connection on the day I need to tape. <sighs> I really had a conversation with myself like I came home on Friday afternoon. And somewhere on Saturday morning, a few hours after I woke up, I was like, you know what? I could really just put all my ish in storage or in my parents' basement and I could just travel for a living. Like if I travel to the right places, it could actually pan out to about what I'm paying in rent. This goddamn pandemic got to end because literally this could be my life. But, you know, the Delta variant. I swear if y'all unvaccinated mofos don't wear y'all goddamn masks, I swear y'all are fucking with my life plans. Not knowing where to travel or if these country borders are going to shut down is like you're fucking with my lifestyle now. Whatever. There's good black news this week. Sort of. Actually, I'm looking at my list of things to talk about and there's not really that much. Oh, dear. Cardi and Lizzo. Remember I talked about Lizzo was coming out with a new something and I was like, is it an album? Is it a single? It's a new single. I think it comes out on Friday and it's featuring Cardi B, which I was like, oh, is there a video? There better be a video. I want to see Cardi and Lizzo in a video together. I think that would be amazing. But Lizzo announced earlier today that Cardi B was featured on her single. I was like, don't you just drop like a damn song. I need I need visuals. Thanks. I feel like Cardi and Lizzo are kind of like the same person except one sings. they both be showing their ass. One's just a little fluffier than the other, but you know, fluffy ass deserves just as much love. I like Lizzo. I like Cardi. I got a feeling this video going to be too damn much though. Like I'm going to watch it once and be like, you know what? I support them and and do what you do, but you know, I'm not going to continuously watch because it's going to be too much for me. I'm pretty sure it's going to be. But I support the young girls. Lizzo's in her early 30s. She's still young to me. It's like, oh, that's cute. You're 30. You think you know shit. You don't. Which I'm sure there's some woman like in her 50s or 60s listening to this podcast right now. and Be like, oh, Demetri thinks she knows so much. She's only 42. She'll learn. <laughs> I know more than I did at 30, it, That's got to count for something. I like to think I know a little something at 40. Maybe. Possibly. Women in their 60s would say otherwise. But that's not the point. Which someone said to me the other day, actually more than someone's. I guess last episode I said, that's not the point, a bunch. But people were like, can you put that on a sweatshirt? <laughs> like we need ratchet and respectable sweatshirts and we also need, that's not the point. <laughs> Which I was like, do I say it that often? And then when I ran it by a friend, she was like, you say it like every episode. Like it's, it's like a thing, like ratchet and respectable. That's not the point. Same thing, same difference. It's like, oh, not even my bad. I didn't realize I said it that much. It's just like a, you know. A thing in my speech, my lexicon. I'm looking forward to Cardi and Lizzo. That's what I'm trying to say. The rest of today's news is just pretty much ratchet and unfortunate. LeVar Burton, it seems, will not be our Jeopardy host. Although, like, there's a petition to make him the Jeopardy host. And I want to say, like, 265,000 people have signed it. That was at last count on change.org. There'll probably be more by morning. But some man... He's the executive producer of Jeopardy, Mike Richards. Variety reported that he's entered, quote, advanced negotiations with Sony Pictures to become the new host of Jeopardy, which I was like, who asked for this? Also, who is this? Okay, you're the executive producer. That means you're behind the scenes. Mike Richards has hosted other shows. I saw a list somewhere because I was looking him up like, who the fuck is this? He's hosted other shows. Nothing of note or that stood out, at least to me, but he's hosted other shows. But mm, he ain't no damn LeVar Burton. We don't know him. And LeVar Burton, his classy self, even though he knows he's the better person for the job and he knows the public wants him. He tweeted about the news of, of Jeopardy being in advanced negotiations with another host. He said, quote, I have said many times over these past weeks that no matter the outcome, I've won. The outpouring of love and support from family, friends, and fans alike has been incredible. If love is the ultimate blessing, and I believe that it is, I am truly blessed beyond measure. He added, quote, I am a firm believer, and it's not what happens to you in life that determines who you are. It's what you do with what happens. So I know that whatever the outcome is, it's the perfect outcome for me. I will be perfectly okay. I will embrace whatever that outcome is. See, that's what I'm saying. That's that 60-something logic. You just you just live long enough to just be patient and let life play out as it does and just accept what it is. At 40, I'm still fired up. I ain't as fired up as I was in my 20s. I don't have that righteous indignation that I once had. But I still get like, you know, like fight for it, God damn it, fight! The bar is like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. If it's meant to be, it'll be... Is that what another like 25 years of living gets me? Cause I ain't there yet. I'm just like, nah, this shit ain't right. Fight. I mean, like the 20 somethings fight because they got energy. I can like write checks now to like fund their organizations because, you know, fights need funding. I can do that. I told y'all how like during the protest last year, like I went out to like, you know, all the 20 somethings were out and they were angry in the streets and I was angry at home watching CNN and I was like, nah, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna fight with the kids. I'm gonna march with the kids. And then, like, I went out with the 20-somethings, and, like, I protested, and I marched, and they kept kneeling in the street. And I was like, ooh, ooh, these knees on this concrete. That's, mm-mm, mm-mm. I figured out, though, like, if you lay your foot flat as opposed to, like, you know, trying to, like, prop yourself on, like, the ball of your foot so you can just pop right up. Ain't no real pop right up at, like, 41. Not for me. Maybe for some other 40-somethings. Like, you I don't I don't pop right up. I can get up. But I ain't like, pooh, pooh. I'm not popping up. The 20-somethings, they just like to kneel in the street. And I realized that if I lay my foot flat, I saw another woman who looked like she was in her 60s. She kept kneeling and was getting up just fine. I noticed she had laid her foot flat, so it leaves less pressure on the knee. But yeah, after that, I was like, "Mm, I'll walk with y'all. I'll protest with y'all, but I ain't kneeling not another fucking time. My knees on concrete, that's not God's plan for me. But I wanted LeVar Burton to be the Jeopardy! host. I don't know who this Mike person is. He made a statement. It wasn't anything of um anything of note. He just said like discussions were occurring and nothing had been confirmed. He knowed not nobody want him for that damn job. And if Sony had any sense, they would know that like everyone wants LeVar Burton. Ain't nobody gonna watch Jeopardy now, except the old people. Like you were gonna get a whole new demo. You were gonna get some young people, like everyone, their mother who grew up on Reading Rainbow who like Jeopardy is their grandmother's TV show, but they would be like, Oh, I'm going to watch because it's LeVar Burton because LeVar Burton helped us all learn how to read. So all the young people and then all the black people, the black people are going to watch for LeVar Burton too. Mike, what's his name? Mike Richards. We don't know this man. We're not going to watch him. He also has like a discrimination lawsuit in his past. He denies the allegations, but there was a woman who worked for Jeopardy. She said she got pregnant with twins, and I think she was fired. Now, Mike Richards said he didn't have nothing to do with that shit. It was from 10 years ago. It's being mischaracterized in the news. That's not a direct quote, obviously, but it's about what he said. But he was like, no. He says that, you know, the things that he's being accused of, that's not how it played out. But the woman did get a settlement for $8.5 million. So something happened. That's going to pay for them kids' whole life. They going to nice colleges. I'm not excited about this man. Sony Pictures said they were having, quote, discussions were ongoing with several potential candidates and they wouldn't comment on this Mike Richards person being the alleged frontrunner. Womp womp. If it's not LeVar, I don't care. You can live
1: out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel.
2: Hmm. A follow up. Last week we talked about uh, Afonso Ribeiro and he said that black people don't support him. Now he jumped out there saying that because black people everywhere were like, sir, what are you talking about? Twitter did what Twitter does and found some old video. It's one thing to like, you know, see articles where somebody is quoted as saying it's also another thing to hear audio. And then it's quite another to see video. After last week's podcast went up, they were like, oh, Demetri, you're being far too kind to Alfonso Ribeiro. Did you not see the video, sis? I said, no, I did not. Please send. So I was sent several times a video of Alfonso Ribeiro. He was on stage somewhere telling a joke. He was talking about how every time he leaves the club, he leaves with a blonde white woman. And he went on to talk about how much he enjoys white pussy. So I was like, sir, sir, sir. I know you're not getting on Al Gore's internet telling folks that black people don't support you while you're on stage talking about how much you love white blonde pussy. Why should black people support you when you're out here saying things like that? Why? Why? And it's a testament to the support that black people give you. You didn't get canceled for getting on stage saying that shit. Black women didn't even cancel you. That video has existed for years and you weren't canceled. Black women didn't denounce you. You didn't get the Tay Diggs treatment, which he still never recovered from. Tay Diggs said a million years ago something about black women didn't pay attention to him, so that's why he dates white women. But that's still to this day why black women don't in mass support Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs was at the um the Usher concert. Me and Nikki Nicole. She goes by Nikki now by the way. But me and Nikki, <laughs> we saw him walk in and we were like, "Yo, I didn't say this exact quote, but I said something about this. I was like, girl, we stepping in high cotton. Tay Diggs was sitting on the row behind us. Reverend John Gray and his wife were sitting in the row in front of us. I was like, oh, we may have arrived in life. Look at us. But Alfonso Ribeiro, sir, you could have just sat in the car and ate your Chipotle like everybody else. But you wanted to do damn interviews talking about black people don't support you and then people pulled up reasons that no black people were talking about or thinking about of why you actually should not be supported by black people sir it's still honestly still i don't care about your white wife i don't care about your biracial kids and i don't mean like fuck them i don't care i mean just literally it's never something that i think about and in the grand scheme of things It is of so little importance to me and most other black people. No one was thinking about you. (sighs) He brought this on himself. He was in no controversy whatsoever. No one was talking about him. And now people are. And some people think that, you know, like all conversation is good conversation. All press is good press. Like, no, it actually isn't. Like when you're being dragged and I still don't know what the fuck he's doing that we're supposed to be supporting. America's Funniest Home Videos, Will Smith or The Rock could host that shit. I love Will Smith. I adore Will Smith. Even if Will Smith was hosting, I'm not watching. If The Rock hosted it shirtless, I may tune in. Only if Denzel hosted it. That's the only way I would tune in to America's Funniest Home Videos. I'm not watching that shit. It's just not interesting. Alfonso, you brought this on yourself. No one was thinking about you. You had the goodwill of the people and now you've lost it. He could have maintained just off the accusation alone because everyone was like, what are you talking about? But you have enough goodwill that we'll just let this go. But the, the whole thing about like loving white women, like just going on and on about it. Like it wasn't even like a one-liner. Like he just went on and on and on about his love of white women. And I was like, sir, sir, get the fuck out of here. <sighs> Do you see this story in the New York Post about this surgeon and his wife? It's a New York City surgeon. Nice-looking guy, Dr. Han Jo Kim. He's Asian. I don't know where in Asia, though. His ethnicity is not identified in this piece, just his name. He's, like, a really nice-looking guy. Like, he's, like, totally, like, totally fuckable. Like, he's really, really cute. And he's rich. He Makes $3.2 million a year. He's 41. And he's newly single. The divorce was finalized in late July. But this story in the New York Post... It says the New York City spine surgeon, he was married to a beauty queen, Miss Connecticut, and he filed papers for an annulment of his marriage. He said that his wife of seven years had been moonlighting as a high-priced call girl. Now, there's a settlement. The New York Post does not say what the settlement was, but they do say that the settlement followed a stunning six hundred and sixty four page filing in Manhattan Supreme Court in which the husband, Kim, sought to annul the marriage, claiming that his 32 year old wife had duped him into the union by hiding her, quote, secret life as a prostitute for wealthy men. The doctor alleged that his wife had earned seven hundred thousand dollars in cash From her Johns. Since 2015. He filed for divorce. In December 2020. After he found a racy text message. From another man. On a computer. In the couple's Upper East Side home. Now this is very confusing to me. Very confusing. Because the husband. Earns 3.2 million dollars. Annually. And since 2015. She's earned $700,000 from tricking. So, your husband earns 3.2 million and you're tricking on the side for 100,000? The math ain't mathing. I don't know, I just feel like if your husband earns 3.2 million, he's the breadwinner, you're not paying any of the household bills. I feel like you could get away with running up an annual credit card on your other lifestyle quote-unquote needs. I see no mention of children in this article, so it's just you and him. You couldn't get $100,000 off your husband? You had to go trick for that? Was your husband financially abusive and wasn't releasing proper funds? Or you just like to scam? Because that's not making sense. 3.2 3.2 million annually as the household income, and you're tricking for a hundred K? Girl, you got your big fish. What you still selling your fish for? I oh, that don't make no damn sense. Look, some people like to scam. The thrill is in the scam. I know some folks that like to scam. Some my Atlanta friends, not the ones I talk about on here. It's a whole separate set of friends. You know, you just keep those friends in the back pocket. they friends that's like family. I've known them for a very long time. But you know, one of them is family. That's not the point. That's not the point by blood. That's not the point on my daddy's side. That's not the point. The point is, the surgeon, in his filings, he says, quote, it remains inconceivable to plaintiff that given his substantial earnings as a spine surgeon and his enormous generosity to defendant, that defendant continued to sell sex for money during the marriage. It's inconceivable to me too. I could see if you was out here, you know, making like a million change per year on the side selling your ass. Like if you was bringing in substantial income selling your ass. But 100000 when your husband make $3.2 million a year? That's just stupid. The husband also says that his wife had been lying to him since the beginning. He says that when he met her, she told him she was working on an app supported by a wealthy investor. He asked how was she supporting herself while the app was still in development. She said she was living off a $500,000 inheritance from her great grandmother. In actuality, according to the complaint, it says, quote, her savings and access to funds derived from her receipt of money in exchange for provision of sexual services. The wife allegedly covered up her secret sex work by telling her husband that she was going out with girlfriends or had to travel to work. I've read a couple articles about this. One of the articles said she was telling him that she was traveling to China to work on this app where you could take pictures of clothes and it would automatically tell you who the designer was. Not a bad idea. The filing also says that ma'am wife, sex worker wife. She had lied about her education, saying she had been a chemistry major at the University of Connecticut for three years until she took a leave of absence to compete in the Miss USA pageant. According to the court documents, she never even graduated from high school. Look, I don't want to hear no more conversation about how black women be gold diggers. I don't want to hear not a damn word about it. Because when these white women be gold diggers, they actually be going for gold. I'm not talking about like the women who date a dude who makes 100000 which is good money. I am not talking down on anybody earning six figures. But dudes make a good six and be like, gold, gold, sir. Compared to $3.2 million, Bronze. Bronze, sir. Bronze. Bronze digging. Don't call it gold digging. Bronze digging. But sometimes black men just swear up and down. Gold diggers, gold diggers, gold diggers. Sir, you make 50000 Copper digger, copper, stop it. I've read somewhere else or whatever that the men were making deposits at about $2,000 a pop. I was like, your husband makes $3.2 million? You're selling your pussy for like the, the cost of a Louis Vuitton? Girl, you live on the Upper East Side. Like Louis Vuitton is like a fucking coach bag up there. You gotta fuck 10 times just to get a basic Birkin? The math ain't mathin'. She's a cute girl, too. I'm not an Upper East Side white woman. I'm not a size 6. I do got big boobs, though. But please believe, I wouldn't be selling my ass for $2,000. Heidi Fleiss back in, like, the 1990s, she was selling ass for more than $2,000, was not she? That's rhetorical. I told you about the time my mother made me promise that I wouldn't become a madam. Did I tell you that story? It happened about how my mother was like, Demetria, you know, if you move out to L.A., she said it twice, but let's go with the second time. She said, Demetria, she said, if you move out to L.A. and she said, you know, times get hard. Call home if you need something. And I was like, well, what do you think I'm going to do? She said, you know, don't do anything illegal. I was like, mommy, you think I'm going to sell crack or sell ass? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do either. I'm like, I'm 40 years old. I was like, what the hell? And she was like, Demetria, no, you're not going to sell crack. And she was like, you're not going to be a prostitute. But she was like, I know my child. I was like, what does that mean? She was like, you, you would become a madam. You would. And I wanted to deny it, but I was like, shit, parents really do know their children. I toyed around with the idea when I was in college. And my mother then said something about it. She was like, just so you know, this is illegal. Just so you know, you will go to jail. I was like, you will go to jail, but you will also get out. That's not the point. I actually, guess I do say that a lot. Shit. The point is, I wouldn't be selling my ass for $2,000. Everybody got a price. You could be like, I would never. Yeah, you would. For the right price, everyone could consider a lot of crazy shit. For the right price, it wouldn't be $2,000 though. As is, I wouldn't do it for any amount of money. Just because I'm good. All the bills were paid. But say that the bills were due, we're going to start negotiations at at least $7,500 for one nut. We're not charging about an hour. We're charging about a nut. You could tell I really thought about this shit at one point, right? <laughs> I know my mom is somewhere like, Demetria, are you really discussing your business plan for becoming a madam on your podcast? I could have retired you and daddy a long time ago if you supported my dream, mommy. You both could have retired 10 years early. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this story doesn't make any sense.
0: when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's ANGI.com.
1: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit.
2: Our friend Nick Cannon is back in the news. He went on to Breakfast Club the other day. In the subject of him being a father of seven, four of the children were born within the last year came up during the interview. I'm sure it was Charlemagne who brought this shit up. I like him. I'll tell you a Charlemagne story one day. I'm actually going to ask him to come on the podcast to talk about his new show, which, did I tell y'all that? I was in the runnings to be a writer on his show and I was really excited about it. He reached out to me directly directly and asked me to apply, and I made it to the second round of interviews. I want to say like more than 300 people applied. They got it down to the last 12, and I had an interview with the executive producer and the head of the writer's room, both who were really dope and really amazing. I have no ill will whatsoever about not getting the gig. I told them, quite frankly, that I'd never worked in a writer's room before and I was excited about it. And it's something that I wanted to do, but it's it's not something that I had done before. And I was, you know, it would be a learning curve, but I was willing to like give in my all to work around. And we were on Zoom and, you know, my face can't hide anything whatsoever. But they told me they were like, yeah, like the writer's room is like, you know, it's a nine to five gig. And, you know, I've talked a lot about wanting to be in a writer's room and I was like, "Ooh, Lord." Like, you want me to work 40 hours a fucking week? I haven't done that in 10 years. And I don't wish to do that ever again. But I was like, you know what? I'm 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 willing to do it because, like, I really want to be in a writer's room. And I really want to be a, a writer in Hollywood. And I want to learn this trade. I really want to, like, you know, sharpen this skill to write for TV. And I was like, yes, okay. So, like, you know, it's a six-month gig, 40 hours a week. Like, okay, like, I'll I'll do it. And my dad was like, you sound fucking crazy. They also told me they were like, yeah, there's probably not going to be a lot of time for you to like, you know, do your podcast and other projects, because this is like a all hands on deck, like 24 seven, whenever needed, like this has to be priority. And I was like, I was like, okay, yes. Like I'll figure out the podcast thing. Like I'll work around it. Like, you know, I want to do this. And they were like, yeah, so we're running the writer's room on East Coast time, which meant I would have been working Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I was like, ooh, 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 which I'm sure showed all over my face, even though I tried to hide it. Ultimately, they went in a different direction, which was actually good. They sent me a very nice letter, because usually when, you know, you don't get picked, you you just realize you haven't heard from them in a while, and you're like, oh, I guess, you know, I didn't get picked. And you just assume, and then eventually there's an announcement. But they sent me a very nice letter saying that, you know... You're very great. You're very awesome. But we decided to go in another direction, which I was like, this is probably for the best. But literally, like the same day, two hours later, I got word that like the thing that I really, really wanted, the project that I've been like really, really gung ho about that's, you know, my own shit was also greenlit. So I was like, oh, all in God's plan. But I say that to say I'm super happy for Charlemagne, and I totally want to have him on the show. I'm not saying if he'll come, he's going to come. I'm speaking it into existence. Charlemagne is going to come on the show. And now I'm going to text him before this episode goes up so y'all don't start DMing him and be like, Demetria talked about you on her show. Because that's what y'all do. It's fine. Nick Cannon was on Breakfast Club. Charlemagne, I'm sure, asked him about his multiple children. And Nick Cannon, he said that he thinks having one partner is an outdated concept. He said one partner is, quote, That's a Eurocentric concept when you think about the ideas of like you're supposed to have this one person for the rest of your life. He added, quote, I understand the institution of marriage, but if we go back to what that is about, that was to classify property. A father gave another man his daughter for land. He also responded to criticism that having so many children with so many women is selfish. He said, quote, I can't believe I'm reading this with like a straight face. He said, quote, time is a man-made construct. Anybody who knows me, I'm at every basketball game, every martial arts practice, and people don't understand how I do it. But my children are my priority. It's all about being present. Cannon also said that he wants 10 to 12 children. He says, quote, I've learned so much just from my children. And it's amazing. I really just love being around my kids. Sir. 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 Monogamy is a Eurocentric concept that you don't believe in. Yet, none of the women you have children with have two black parents. It goes on to talk about the institution of marriage and its roots being in property and landowning. Sir, stop. You ain't no goddamn feminist. You don't give two fucks about the origins of marriage and whether it was land, whether it was property. Sir, you trying to manage seven kids, four households, five households. Hold on. Let me do the math on this. Two with Mariah. He has twins with another chick. That's four. That's two households. Three. Okay. So you trying to tell me time is a construct and you can be present in five different households to raise these seven different children? Sir, look, Nick Cannon is a grown ass man with the means, at the very least, to financially support all of these children. These children will want for nothing. Everybody's going to have a college fund. Everybody's going to have horse riding and gymnastics classes and music classes if that's what they want. Soccer practices, they're going to be fine. Everybody's going to have a nice home with some space and a nice area to grow up with. Everybody's going to get a car when they turn 16. Okay. Financially, these children are fine. sir. Trying to justify your unwillingness to wear condoms with some anti-Eurocentric shit or some 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 deep feminism shit or some some time is a social construct shit. Sir, just say your pullout game is whack and go on. Just say you don't like condoms because they don't feel as good and go on. Don't come up with this other bullshit, Sir. You don't like to wear condoms. It is what it is. You ain't gotta pretty it up. You a grown ass man. Just say I don't like to wear condoms, so I have a lot of kids. Okay. Damn, I can't say nothing to that. It's Eurocentric. The origins are in land owning. Women are not property, sir. You don't give two fucks about women being property. You don't give two fucks about Eurocentrism. We know that because the women you fucking is half white. Come on. You can wear all the koofies and the turbans that you want. You, like Alfonso Ribeiro, like white pussy. It's okay. It's okay, bro. Just don't be trying to okey-doke us with this shit. He goes on in the interview. Oh, Nick Cannon. He says, I actually think women are blessing us. The women, the mother of my children, and all women are the ones who open themselves up to say... I would like to allow this man in my world and I will birth his child. It ain't my decision. I'm following suit. To which Charlemagne replied, I respect the game you running on them ladies. Wow, Nick. I think this was on either Yahoo or The Root that I'm quoting from. The writer points out that just a few weeks ago, Nick Cannon was telling people that he's having kids on purpose. But now he's telling people it's not my decision. It's the women's decision. Nick Cannon, is it Uchi Wally or is it One Mike? Speaking of Nas, have you listened to that new album? My God, King's Disease 2? My God, classic. I can't skip a song. Even the EPMD and Eminem song, which kind of gets on my nerves, but only because I just want to hear Nas, not because EPMD isn't amazing and not because Eminem didn't just body that whole verse. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, my God. A new Nas album is amazing. Did not find my headphones, ordered a new pair, which are currently in my parcel pending. Kind of pissed that I had to pay for a new pair of beats, but I need my music. But I got stuck in traffic because L.A., when I was running errands, because I had to go to the grocery store and get my car washed and all that other stuff when I got back. Got stuck in traffic, listened to the whole new Nas album and was like, oh my God. New Nas album, amazing. If you have not listened, please do. (sighs) Nas. Nick Cannon. (sighs) Last but not least, we need to talk about Governor, for now, Andrew Cuomo. The New York Attorney General, Letitia James, gives nary a fuck. Republicans fuck you. Democrats fuck you. She is not concerned with your party affiliation. She is concerned with justice. She's going after Trump for his taxes and Andrew Cuomo for his sexual harassment in equal measure. Last week, we talked about Andrew Cuomo and the findings of a four-month investigation, a report that was 168 pages detailing his whoredom as governor. It was bad. 11 women, bad. One of the women who was in the report, she was anonymous. She went on, was it CBS? Earlier today, identifying herself. Her name is Brittany Camiso. She was previously identified in the the investigation as executive assistant number one. On Thursday, she filed a criminal complaint against Cuomo with the Albany County Sheriff's Office. But she did an interview this morning on CBS. She said, quote, the governor needs to be held accountable. She was asked to clarify what that meant. She said, quote, what he did to me was a crime. He broke the law. She had more details than what were included in the report. So she's the woman that said that Cuomo had groped her breast and also rubbed her ass. We talked about her last week. We just didn't have a name for her. But on CBS this morning, she talked about how she showed up at work in a nice dress And Cuomo told her, quote, it's about time you showed some leg. He also asked her if she had kissed or, quote, fooled around with someone other than her husband. Another time he said to her, if you were single, the things I would do to you. Another time he asked her to take a selfie with him. And then he moved to grab her butt cheek and began to rub it. She told investigators she was shaking so much that the photos were blurry. Of an incident where Cuomo slammed the door shut and slid his hand up her blouse, cupping her breast, she said, quote, I remember thinking to myself, I knew and he knew too that was wrong and that I in no way, shape or form invited that, nor did I ask for it. I didn't want it. I feel like I was being taken advantage of. She said that she planned to take Cuomo's actions, quote, to her grave, but grew upset after hearing him deny inappropriately touching women. And I'm reading this for the Washington Post. I just like to cite my sources here. The man is a pig. There have been more calls for his resignation. They're moving forward with an impeachment. His inner circle is trying to get him to resign. Como has refused, according to reports. He says, quote, that he needs more time. Sir, your time is up. Your time is up. You behave like a goddamn animal. You know, as someone who was a Cuomo fan, my bad. Your time is up. Speaking of time's up, the head of time's up, which is kind of like me too, but in Hollywood circles, she had to resign over this Cuomo shit. There was a letter that had been drafted to discredit one of the early accusers of Cuomo. And she either read the letter or drafted the letter, edited the letter, did something. But she was helping hashtag Team Cuomo discredit a woman who was accusing him of harassment. So when this news came out that she was involved, she had to step down from the head of an organization dedicated and created specifically for protecting women against sexual harassment. In Hollywood, but beyond. But damn. Chris Cuomo, little brother. The Washington Post ran a story earlier today about how he's still counseling his brother. Now, Chris is currently on vacation. He said he's gone fishing. He is not on CNN right now at the height of his brother's scandal, which either CNN has excellent timing in telling him to take a break or Chris just had some good sense to go. But Chris going to have to distance himself from his brother. Not privately, because they're brothers. I don't expect it to happen privately. But publicly, he's going to have to distance himself from his brother. Because your brother's his ship is sinking. Chris, you can't win. I know it's your brother. I know Big Brother is in crisis. I know it's a family member. As a brother. Little brother wants to help Big Brother. Totally get it. Chris Cuomo, you're going to have to distance yourself from your brother. Or she's going to go down with this goddamn ship. Your brother is on a sinking ship. I think. And I only say that because two reasons. Let's go back. On an early episode of this podcast, I don't remember the exact date, but I know it was 2019. The governor of Virginia was embroiled in a blackface scandal. Somebody had gone back and found his college yearbook in which he was posing at a party in a Ku Klux Klan outfit. So that was the governor. The lieutenant governor was this black dude who was accused of rape. The number three in charge came out and was like, hey, y'all haven't found pictures yet. But just so you know, I went to a frat party, too, and also wore a Klan costume. I just want everybody to know that we could just stop the bullshit investigations right now. So the number one, two and three leaders in Virginia were all embroiled in scandal at the same time. They all refused to step down. And as of today, all three of them are currently in office. They all just waited out the scandal. There were calls for impeachment. There were calls for resignation, calls for their heads, and they just stayed the course and was like, no, we're not leaving. And so eventually the story just blew over. Some other crazy shit happened, probably some Trump shit, and the attention just turned away from them and went to someone else and it just all blew over. So as much as I would like to say this ship is definitely sinking, you never fucking know. Cuomo could ride it out. He's refusing to resign. I think he probably knows like I do. Like we've seen crazier shit before. Which brings me to point number two. If you are of a certain age and you are from the DMV, one morning while you were getting ready to go to school, you saw clips of the mayor of D.C., Smoking crack being played on a loop on morning TV somewhere before 8 a.m. because we had to be at school at the latest 8:15, 8:30. So somewhere around like say the seven o'clock hour, I was late to school that day because my dad was standing in front of the TV in the living room in pure shock. He just could not move because he was like, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Marion Barry is smoking crack on video." It was shocking. Who could picture such a thing? It was the end of Mayor Barry. Who could recover from smoking crack? Crack! On video. It for real, for real happened. As a matter of fact, if I recall this correctly, the guy that lived across the street was either one of the agents in the room or was the head of the investigation. Everyone said Mayor Barry's career was over. Everyone said it was the end. And yet... He got reelected and DC was happy about it. They were like, we love Marion Barry. Fuck that crack. And so he was mayor again. And that's that. Crazier things that happen. I feel like if a mayor can smoke crack on video and be reelected, there's a chance for Cuomo to stay in office over sexual harassment. The man was smoking crack on video in the early nineties and got reelected. I feel like Cuomo might, might maybe be able to pull this one off. I'm not saying I'm rooting for him. I'm just saying, crazier shit has happened. That's it. I don't wish him anything. I don't wish him well. I don't wish him hell. I just, I'm just following the story and watching how it plays out. Because, you know, it's a damn good story. I swear, shit like Cuomo and Marion Barry is the reason I cannot write fiction. Even with this story about Vivian and her escapades. It's all going to be pulled from like shit that I know that happened. I'm just going to be pulling together all sorts of stories and turning them into like one larger story and assigning them to one woman. It's all shit that people have either told me or I've experienced. You just cannot make up good story like this. As good as scandal was, nothing against Shonda because Shonda is a genius. The woman just makes up lies. She's wonderful at it. But real life, we thought scandal was scandalous as shit. And then Trump happened. You can't make up some of this shit. that's the episode for this week y'all i'm gonna go try to like make up some shit because i gotta turn in this treatment i got like what like four days left to turn this in before technically i'm in breach of contract so yeah let me stop drinking wine and go edit this podcast and then you know get to my other work the stuff that also pays bills all right we'll talk again soon What's today? Friday. We'll talk again on Friday. I didn't even have a third glass. Jesus, my tolerance is low. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll talk again. I just said that on Friday. Okay. I'm out. Bye. Today's
0: episode is brought to you by Angie. when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com.
2: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax.